This is a WXIN production. Welcome to the Speak My Peace podcast. Once again, I am your host, Reese Trotman, coming at y'all again with yet another week, another episode of the Speak My Peace podcast. And we got some exciting, exciting things to talk about. We're going to start with wonderful March Madness. We are up to the sweet 16. We're going to talk about games, predictions. I'm going to give you my updated predictions on who I have going to the national championship game. We're going to talk NFL free agency. We're going to talk some NBA. We got a lot of different things to tap into. Let's waste no more time. So March Madness, we we talk about it being madness, but it just never, ever ceases to amaze me on some of the stuff that I see um, in March Madness and every year how it just there's always something that you take away from it and you're just like like what the heck was i watching like and there was a few games like that for me where i was just dumbfounded by the the score just the way that a team went out and got dominated but Let's just run through it. So we started this on Friday. Well, technically, we kicked it off on Thursday with the play-in games. Um, You had Texas Southern beat um, Mount St. Mary's. Drake beat Wichita State. Uh, Norfolk State beat Appaline um, State. And UCLA beat Michigan State. But then we got to Friday. First round of March Madness National Tournament. Here we go, right? We have Illinois. They beat Drexler. You know what I'm saying? They take care of them. Number one seed versus number 16. We have Hartford losing badly to number one Baylor. You know what I'm saying? They took care of them, got them up out of there. Same thing with Houston. They beat Cleveland State. And then it started to get crazy. First upset of the day. And, And keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, on Friday, March 19th, Okay, that was the first time in my 20 years of living on this beautiful green earth we call a home. I have never heard of the college or university called Oral Roberts. I've heard of number two, Ohio State, but I've never in my natural life heard of Oral Roberts. And they beat Ohio State. That was the first big upset of the day. Ohio State played bad in that game. A lot of sloppy play, a lot of sloppy turnovers. They missed a lot of open shots. They didn't take very good shots. Ohio State looked slow. They looked sluggish. Uh, And Oral Roberts just looked like they caught Ohio State on a very, very bad day. That was... That was one of those upsets that I just look back. You know, it's not going to be all history in the making, but it's one of those upsets that I look at. And I'm just like, who is Oral Roberts and what are they doing beating number two Ohio State? Like, what are they doing? And they did it. They said, you know what? 
We're going to go out there and prove to the world that we are not just some, you know, sorry team that got lucky, like, to be in the tournament. No, we're, we're good. And they went out and they proved that for sure. Um, and it was a crazy game. Like I said, Ohio State, I was disappointed in the way they played. But overall, just a crazy game. But Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, the 15th seed, beat the number two seed, 75 to 72 in overtime. But then we kept going. You know, the, the scores were back to normal. We got Colgate. They lost to Arkansas. Liberty lost to Oklahoma State. You know, Moorhead State lost to West Virginia. Syracuse, they beat San Diego State. Now, some people saw that as an upset. I did not. I had Syracuse beating San Diego State. Um, Loyola, Chicago, they beat Georgia Tech. Villanova beat Winthrop. Um, this is this was another shocker. The 13th seed, North Texas, they beat Purdue which is a number four seed. I was shocked by that. Also, in that game, I did not like the way Purdue played. Purdue did not play like a team that wanted to be in the NCAA tournament. They played like a team that was in preseason mode. Um, I don't know what happened. Very sloppy play. Also, they just didn't look like they wanted to try on defense. Like, I don't think North Texas did anything special to beat these dudes, even though, yes, this game went into overtime and they ended up beating them, um, you know, by 11 um, or excuse me, by nine, and they outscored them 17 to eight in the overtime period. I still, I did not like the effort by Purdue. I don't think Purdue put enough effort in in that overtime. They looked sluggish throughout the game. You know, they had, you know, because of Purdue's talent, they were able to bounce back and get back into the game. But North Texas kind of was dominating the first half. The second half was more even play. And that's why you saw them go into overtime. But me personally, North Texas just looked like they had the higher motor. Like, they just looked like they were either less tired. I don't know, but Purdue just looked better. I mean, excuse me. Purdue just looked worse than North Texas. So that's why that upset happened. But moving on, then we had Utah State losing to Texas Tech. Um, Virginia Tech lost to Florida. Oregon State beat Tennessee. That was a 12 versus 5 matchup. I had Tennessee going to the round of 32, so I guess you can count that as an upset. Um, Wisconsin smacked North Carolina. I mean, abysmal performance by North Carolina. Uh, Wisconsin did whatever they wanted, dominated from beginning to end. From beginning to end, like it was disgusting to see the lack of effort on that North Carolina side. Now, this was a big one. Rutgers beating Clemson. I did not see that coming. I had Rutgers getting smacked by Clemson. To be quite honest, I thought Clemson was going to go out there, do their thing, dominate. And um, they just didn't. Um, Not at all. They did the complete opposite. And they let... uh, they let Rutgers hang around, gain some confidence, and then they ended up taking the lead. Because at the half, it was 23-26, Clemson. But Rutgers had confidence because they were playing well, and they were um, in that game. I thought Clemson was going to come out, dominate early, and get them up out of there. But no, Rutgers was in that game. It was a three-point game at halftime, I remember vividly. And then they just decided, yeah, so... We're just going to uh, <laughs> give this game away if we're Clemson. And they ended up doing that. They played terrible in the second half. Um, I mean, it was a close game throughout. But, again, 
I watched Clemson play all year, and the way they played is not the same team that made the tournament. Um, they were not as dominant. I expected them to be way more dominant. But then we moved on to Saturday, and Saturday was another fun day of exciting uh, basketball. Um, the upsets weren't, um, again, nothing crazy. The upsets weren't like, oh, this is going to go down in history, but there still were upsets um, to be had. But first, Iona, Alabama. Alabama smacks Iona. Iowa, they beat Grand Canyon. Um, this was the first ups- upset of the day on Saturday. Um, Abilene Christian beat Texas by one. Um, that was the 14th seed. They knocked off three-seeded Texas, 53 to 52. The Jayhawks of Kansas, they beat Eastern Washington. UNC Greensboro went down to Florida State. And this was another upset. Ohio beat Virginia. The number 13-seeded Ohio um, Bearcats, they beat Virginia Cavaliers, the fourth seed in the tournament, 62 to 58. That was an upset. Ohio just played better. They just flat out outplayed Virginia. Uh, Virginia, mad turnovers. They just looked, it was sloppy play. It was bad. Um, Simple. Um, Creighton, they beat UC Santa Barbara. They barely beat them. They survived that game. Um, Creighton almost folded in the second half. Um, Georgetown, they lost to Colorado. They got smacked. Um, LSU, Smack St. Bonaventure and Michigan smack uh, Texas Southern. USC smack Drake. Maryland uh, beat UConn by nine. I was very surprised by that game. Very, very surprised by that game. I had UConn winning that game. I thought UConn was going to win. Um, I thought UConn was a special team. I thought they had a chance to go far in the tournament just because of how elite they are. Um, especially in three-point shooting. But they came out flat, and Maryland pounced on them, basically, is what happened. Uh, Oklahoma beat Missouri, uh, and Gonzaga smacked Norfolk State. UCLA beat BYU. I had BYU losing this game. I thought the winner of the UCLA-Michigan State game, whoever won that game, I thought they would beat BYU anyway. I thought BYU was a little overrated going into the tournament. And um, because of... COVID, VCU versus Oregon was never played, but Oregon was awarded the win in that one. Now, then we move on to the round of 32. It is now March 21st, and it is a Sunday. Um, And we got more games. Second round action. The round of 32. Now. Loyola, Chicago. This is an upset that I did not see coming. Loyola, Chicago absolutely dominated Illinois. Now, this was a disappointment for a lot of people because I did not have um, Illinois going far. I actually had them losing in the Sweet 16, but... A lot of people had Illinois in the Elite Eight, the Final Four. Some people had them in the the championship game. But Illinois got absolutely dominated by Loyola Chicago. This was a battle for Chicago, basically. This was a battle for Chicago. This was states' rights right here on the line, okay? And Loyola Chicago showed up 
And Illinois didn't. Illinois looked lazy. They looked tired. They looked exhausted. They looked like a team that wasn't prepared too well. They looked like a team that just couldn't guard just for whatever reason, whatever the the sets that Loyola Chicago was running. They just couldn't figure it out for whatever reason. Um, And yeah, that right there. You know, I was I I said it all year. I said it all year. I mean, you know, if you've listened to anything about this podcast, you will understand that I say a lot of things and, and, you know, they don't usually end up coming true or end up being right or come to fruition um, until long after. But I always remember because I know what I'm talking about when I say these things. You know, I don't just try and make up stuff, but. Um, I said a while back, I said, right, everybody's, you know, they're hopping on the Illinois train. You know, Illinois is good. Illinois is great. Illinois is a great team. You know, they did a lot this season. That was great. But I said I was skeptical um, of Illinois as a team, as a whole, because I looked at them and I said, I just don't know if this team is ready for the big stage. I just don't know. You know what I mean? Like this team has talent. It has a great point guard. It has great uh, perimeter guards, has great wings, interior defenders, and it has great presence in the paint. You know, they got dominant big men. This team seems real solid, real solid. But I wasn't sold on them just because the lack of competition, the the the, the lack of competition they played. Um, it's just I, I just wasn't sure that they could handle the big lights. And again, we got to the big lights. This isn't even that big of lights. This is the round 32. You were the first game of round 32 and you lose. You lose badly. You get dominated by a Loyola Chicago team that wasn't as big as you, you know, didn't have that dominant presence. Yes, they have shooters all around the court, but you just got outplayed. Like, it's not even like they outshot you because that happens. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes in the tournament, teams just get hot and they start shooting and and everything starts going in. And it seems like an avalanche and, you know, just a blitzkrieg of threes. And sometimes that happens. And you know what? If that happened, I wouldn't get on Illinois for it. I really wouldn't, because you know what? Anybody can get get, you know, lit up from deep um, in the tournament. It happens often. You know, we saw, you know, years back that Kentucky team, Kentucky was undefeated against, you know, the entire tournament. They went through the whole season undefeated, that Kentucky team. That was a special team. That team was supposed to sweep through and win a national championship game. Um, They faced Wisconsin and Wisconsin hits like almost, you know, 15 threes as a team. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. Sometimes a team just gets hot and they light you up. Like, there's just nothing you can do. It's just not your day. You know, sometimes people just get hot from three. They start hitting shots. Their confidence goes through the roof. And then it's clips for you. So, you know, I wouldn't blame Illinois if it was that. But that's just not what this game was. This game was full domination. Like I said, Loyola Chicago just came out there and flat out punched these dudes in the mouth. Um, they limited their star point guard, A.O., 
for Illinois. They limited his touches. Um, I'm pretty sure he only had four to six points in the first half. He took like two shots. Um, they limited his play. They limited his touches. They made sure they did lots of ball denial. They made sure everybody was honed in and focused on him. And then they made, they tried to make the other guys, the supporting cast, beat him. And they couldn't do it. Not to mention the fact that, again, there was just no defense. I was so disappointed. There was no defense, really, that and Illinois was supposed to be this, you know, very good defensive team. And people talked about them all year. And then they just flat out didn't play none. Like, it was just disappointing. It was so um, different from what I was used to seeing out of that Illinois team. But like I said, all year, I was just... I was skeptical of that team. Just very, very skeptical. Um, But yes, Loyola Chicago, the eighth seed, knocked off the number one seeded Illinois. Um, Wisconsin got smacked by Baylor by 13. Baylor dominated in that game. Uh, Syracuse, they beat West Virginia. People are considering that another upset. I... I'm a Syracuse Orange fan. I don't consider that an upset. I saw that happening. Buddy Ryan went off. The man had 25 points. He was spraying threes. Again, people under underestimate. I've been watching Syracuse all year. And as a diehard Syracuse fan, um, I expected them to make this to the Sweet 16. I had them going to the Sweet 16. They... Um, Syracuse is a very underrated team. Not many people have been watching Syracuse all season. This team is very good. Um... When they're hitting threes, they are very good. Now, when they are not hitting threes, this team can be very abysmal at times to watch. So it all just depends on how that trade ball is working for him and whether or not Buddy um, Boheim is getting shots. Um, if he's not getting shots, then it's slow. <laughs> it's just slow for Syracuse. But Syracuse advances to the Sweet 16. Texas Tech um, lost a close one to Arkansas. Arkansas advances. And Rutgers... They almost beat Houston, but Houston was able to prevail in that second half. Or and then this this, this was another upset that had me puzzled. Number seven, Florida lost to again that university that I had never heard of until March nineteenth at around twelve forty five p.m. Oral Roberts beat Florida. The 15th seed, Oral Roberts beat Florida. The 7th seed, 81 to 78. It's a close game. They won by three. But Florida played bad. This was another team that disappointed me. Florida, I didn't even like the way they played that much in their first round matchup. But this was so disappointing. They played like trash. I mean, granted, in the second half, Oral Roberts played better. And in the first half, Florida was playing pretty decent basketball. They had a 37 to 42 lead at the half um, point. But the fact that Earl Roberts was even in that game and the fact that it was only a five point game at halftime, that bothered me. That rubbed me the wrong way. And in the second half, Earl Roberts dominated. They outscored them by, um, excuse me, by nine in that second half. They just played better. Simple. Um, it's just one of those things. Or excuse me, they outscored him by eight points in that second half, not nine. But Florida just didn't play well in that second half. They came out flat. They came out as a team that, again, 
I'm not going to say they were tired, but they definitely didn't look like their normal Florida, you know, up and down pace. And they just let Oral Roberts hang around, get confidence, take the lead. And then Oral Roberts, you know, they took that momentum and, and you know, let it ride out. And it ended up working out in their favor. Uh, Villanova. Next game, Villanova versus North Texas. Villanova smacked North Texas. And Oregon State beat Oklahoma State. Now, this was another game. First of all, Cade Cunningham was not trying. I want to be the first one to say that. Um, And I say that because I watched him and he looked like he was going half speed. He looked like he was not trying. He looked like he did not look like the first... Uh, number one overall pick, uh, presumably, that, you know, was out there busting everybody's butt in the season. He looked like a dude that was kind of like, you know what, this tournament stuff is cool, but I'm trying to make, you know, a bigger league. I'm trying to be in a bigger tournament, you know, down in my life. You know, I, I'm kind of over this college stuff. Like, that's just kind of the demeanor I I got and the vibes I got from Cade Cunningham, and it showed. He didn't really play that well, and his team kind of, you know, they followed his lead. He was kind of like, you know what, guys, this game's kind of whatever, and it followed suit. Um, and so Oregon State just ended up dominating. He said, you know what, if you don't want this, Cade, if you're worried, more worried about the NBA, then we're just going to take this. Now, I don't know that for sure. It's strictly speculation. And I could be completely wrong. Maybe he was playing 100%. But at least from the body language and the way he was just chucking up shots, it looked like he kind of was like, okay, we're down early. I could go crazy or I could just get out of here and go to the NBA. Um, yeah, it just... I, I gave, I got the vibes that he just didn't care. He just wasn't really with it um, at all. But anyway, then we move on to Monday, March 22nd. And this is the, the final day of the second round, the round of 32. Now, we had an early kind of upset early. We had Iowa losing to uh, Oregon 95 to 80. Now, I had... Um, Oregon winning this game. A lot of people had Iowa very high. There was a lot of people very high on Iowa this season. Very, very high. Like, just extremely high on them. Had them going deep in the in the tournament. Had them going, you know, some of them. Had, some of the brackets I saw out there that were more public, I, had, I saw Iowa in the, the lead eight, the Sweet 16, you know, which is not that bad, but the Elite Eight, you know, one, I think I saw one or two that Iowa in the final four. I was like, they're crazy. Um, but yeah, Iowa went down to Oregon. Oregon just outplayed them. Just again, pure domination. Um, they had no answer for Oregon at all. Uh, Gonzaga beat Oklahoma in the, the second day of the round of 32, 87 to 71. Gonzaga looks really good, looks really strong as a team right now. Abilene Christian lost to UCLA. They got smacked by 20. Uh, Creighton beat Ohio 58 to 72. LSU got bounced by Michigan 86 to 78. Uh, Florida State beat Colorado 71 to 53. Alabama beat Maryland 70, excuse me, 96 to 77. And this was a shocker. USC beat Kansas 85 to 51. Now, this score, 85 to 51, it really, um, 
like, it doesn't even tell the full story. Like, Kansas got smacked. Like, when I tell you, they came out there and punched them in the, like, just haymakers, bro. Like, heavy punches, just giving them mitts. Kansas wanted no smoke with USC. I, I, I strongly believe that Kansas went out there and played terrible. Like, they played, like, complete garbage. It was awful to watch. Um, I expected Kansas to play much better. I expected Kansas to go deeper in this tournament, and they got bounced in the round of 32 by USC. I did not see USC beating, uh, excuse me, I did not see USC beating um, Kansas like they did. But again, I don't know where uh, Kansas just decided they were just going to fumble. I don't know what happened in that locker room. Like, I just don't know because they got smacked in the mouth. Um, Kansas played awful from the jump. It was 40 to 21 at halftime. And the, the, the second half wasn't any better, um, to be quite honest. And yeah, that but that was the last game of the night. And now, you know, that completed the round of 32. And now uh, we are currently in the Sweet 16. Um, and... I'm shocked to say that I'm seeing Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16, Loyola Chicago, Oregon State, um, other teams that shocked me. I guess I'll say USC, um, just because I really thought Kansas was going to play much better in that game and ultimately win that game. But that did not happen. Um, <laughs> clearly, that that just did not happen at all. But um yeah, so Saturday, March 27th, the Sweet 16 will officially begin. That is the first day of the Sweet 16 competition. Now, these games are going to be very, very interesting. I'm going to walk through each game. I'm going to give you my prediction on each game. Now, we're going to start with the first game on CBS at 2.40 p.m. Eastern Time. We have Oregon State taking on Loyola Chicago. This is an 8 versus 12 matchup. I'm taking Loyola Chicago. I'm going to keep riding the momentum that they have right now. You know, I'm not too high on Oregon State. Yes, I, um, they did knock off Oklahoma State, which is a very talented team. They did um, kind of smother Cade Cunningham, which is supposed to be the presumed number one overall pick in the upcoming NBA 2021 draft. And I get all that. But Loyola Chicago, they just got the momentum. They seem hot right now. And also their offensive scheme is actually uh, confusing a lot of teams. So that's why I'm taking uh, Loyola. And they seem like they have the momentum on their side. Villanova versus Baylor. This is going to be a tougher game than a lot of people think. I think Villanova is going to be really tested. I think Jay Wright is going to have his guys ready to play. Um this game is at 5.15 p.m. Eastern time on CBS, but I'm going to take Baylor. Um, I think this is going to be a very close game, but I got Baylor advancing along with Loyola Chicago. Now, at 7.25 p.m. Eastern time, we have on TBS, we have the Oral Roberts University taking on Arkansas. Um, I got Arkansas. I think this is where the buck stops for Oral Roberts. I think... Um, this is where um, we just kind of take, you know, take the Cinderella stories out. And we say, all right, who are the real teams, the good ones? 
you know, kind of like, you know, who are the pretenders and who are the contenders? I think this is the, the Sweet 16 always for me kind of separates the people who are, you know, the Cinderella stories, the feel good stories the like, wow, we made it this far. Then they get bounced and it's like, all right, now it's time for who is a contender and who is a pretender. And then at but I'm taking Arkansas. But then we have at 9:55 p.m. Eastern time the nightcap for day one of the Sweet 16 on TBS. We have my Syracuse Orange taking on the Houston Cougars. This is an 11 versus two matchup. I have the Syracuse Orange taking that. Yes, I'm putting my bias in to this opinion. I am not putting bias aside. Houston is a very good team. Houston is going to be an extremely tough matchup. But again, I believe in the Syracuse Orange. I believe in the 2-3 zone. And I believe in Jimmy and, uh, or excuse me, in Jim and Buddy Bohan. I believe in them all. That's why I'm taking Syracuse over Houston on the nightcap. Um, I just, I feel like for me personally that, um, Syracuse is one of those teams that, again, people have been sleeping on all season. The 2-3 zone has been busting lately. It's been doing its thing. It's been shutting teams down. It's been forcing teams to take stupid threes and make them um, kind of not reconsider, rework their offense mid-game. But it's like, um, unless you're in the ACC, you're not used to playing against the 2-3 zone. Houston is not in the ACC. Um, so, again, most teams are not used to playing heavy doses of zone, like a zone from, you know, beginning of the game until that clock hits triple zeros. And again, that two, three zone, it forces a lot of teams to take a lot of stupid shots. And again, my guy, Buddy Bohan, like the man is just shooting the three ball like their layups. He's he plays with so much confidence. The team runs through him. They feed through him. This is a team that, again, defensively very sound. That two three zone it gives a lot of teams a lot of headaches, and a lot of teams are not used to that two three zone. And again, if you don't have a shooter or a big man that can collapse that middle, it's going to be a long night for you. It's going to be a very very long night for you. And I don't think Houston has that. That's why. I'm going with my guys at the Qs. I, I just believe in the orange. I believe in everything about them. And yes, like I said, I'm not putting my bias aside. I got Syracuse in this game, and I've never said that more proudly. They're going to advance to the Elite Eight because that is an elite team. Nah, but in all seriousness, I do have Syracuse um, taking that game. Now we are coming up on the halfway point in the show. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break. Again, I want to thank you all for listening to the Speak My Peace podcast. I am your host, Reese Trotman, and we will be right back after these quick commercial breaks. Please stay tuned. Please come back with us. We'll be right back. Just because we're off campus doesn't mean we're offline. 90.7 WXIN, bringing you your favorite hit from 60 Away. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria 
at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. We're never switching to Christian rock. I want to talk to you today about the power of the blessing. And today we're going to do something kind of special for you. Can you guess why? Because God made you special. 90.7 WXIN. Again, welcome back to the Speak My Peace podcast. I am your host, Reese Trotman, returning from commercial break. And we're still talking a little college hoops, just breaking down my predictions for the Sweet 16. We went through the first day. Um, If you missed that, I'm just going to run through it quickly. Again, I have Loyola Chicago beating Oregon State. I have Baylor beating Villanova. I have Arkansas beating All Roberts. And I have Syracuse beating Houston for that first day of the Sweet 16. Now we're moving on to March 28th, which will be the second day of Sweet 16 matchups. Uh, the first matchup is at 2.10 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. It is number one, Gonzaga taking on number five, Creighton. I have Gonzaga beating that game, uh, winning that game, excuse me, I should say. Um, at 5 p.m. Eastern time on CBS, I have Michigan beating Florida State. Um, I'm a strong believer that Michigan will win it all this year. I think they're going to be national champions. And that game is um, it's going to be a good game. I think Florida State wins. uh, Excuse me. I think Florida State will uh, put up a good fight. But I think ultimately Michigan will win that game. Now, then we move on to 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. We have um, number 11 UCLA taking on number two Alabama on TBS. I think this is where the bug stops for UCLA. I think Alabama and the roll tide roll right through UCLA. Then at 9.45 p.m. Eastern time, the nightcap and to cap off the Sweet 16 um, on TBS, we have number seven, Oregon taking on number six, USC. I think that's going to be a good game. I have Oregon winning that matchup um, over USC. I think Oregon is the fresher team, the hotter team, and I think they're just playing better basketball than USC. Um, And that is caps off the sweet 16 for you right there that's what i think is gonna happen again y'all know my pick i got michigan winning it all this year go big blue i hope it happens um and i got my syracuse orange going to the elite eight because that is an elite team with an elite zone and elite players and elite coaching and everything about the syracuse orange is elite you heard it here first Um, Y'all should know better than to come at my Syracuse Orange or doubt them because they will prove anybody and everybody wrong. But again, that's my Sweet 16 um, matchups. Those are my predictions. Those are what I think is going to happen. That's what I think 
um, is going to happen in terms of who's making it to the Elite Eight um, and can call themselves on the Elite Teams. Now, I love talking about this bracket because, like I said, um, we have because the Sweet 16, like I said, I ran through each of the matchups. I'll run through one more time. Like I said, I got Gonzaga beating Creighton. I got Oregon beating USC. I got Michigan beating Florida State. I got Alabama beating UCLA. I have Baylor taking care of Villanova. I have Arkansas beating Oral Roberts, Loyola, Chicago beating Oregon State and Syracuse knocking off Houston. Now, there were 14.7 million brackets that were filled out and only 2,920 entries correctly predicted the four double digit seeds who made it to the Sweet 16. Those double digit seeds are UCLA, Oregon State, Oral Roberts, and Syracuse. That's crazy to think about. 14 million people, 14.7, I should say, million people filled out a bracket this year and only 2,000 of them, you know, roughly 2,900 of them got uh, the Sweet 16 matchup correctly. Now, we're going to shift gears just a little bit. I want to talk about uh, a controversy uh, surrounding the the NCAA right now. Um, everything, yes, everything's going great, smooth with the tournament. Is, the tournament looks beautiful. Everything's, you know, on the up and up, it seems to be. But there are some problems here that um, need to be addressed in terms of the NCAA. And I'm glad people are uh, exposing the NCAA for this. Um, and that is the discrepancy between the just the treatment, the um, facilities, what's being received and just overall like care packages, all that stuff like that. In terms of the men and women, I'm talking about the men and women. Uh, obviously, you know, during the men's national tournament, there's also a women's national tournament uh, for basketball. And yes, while we know in this sad world we live in, we know that the women's national tournament, even though it's just as exciting, they're just as talented, they're just as good and they're just as fun to watch. The women... Do, get, do not get nearly as much notoriety as the men. But we're also seeing that, and it probably has for years, but we're also seeing that play out in terms of uh, the women's facilities. Uh, there's been videos going around about what the players get when they enter the tournament versus what the women get, the amount of money, the budget, um, all that. This needs to stop. It's quite ridiculous that in 2021, these young women athletes still are getting treated like they're less than of some sorts. Like, I, to me, it's a slap in the face. It's disrespect. Um, the the NTA needs to clean this up now, like now. Um, even the budget. Um, there was a 13.5 million dollar budget gap uh, 
And it shows, like I said, it's just like the care packages the men get versus what the women get, the food that the men get versus the women get, and the, the overall facilities, the training facilities, the, the, the gyms, um, all the workout facilities, all those, they're much better for the men. I mean, I read this article on ESPN. It said budget for men's basketball tourney was almost double women's budget in 2019. The stark contrast in revenues between two events. Like... They're basically saying, and again, this is this is the the NCAA being a business that people always talk about, but never actually want to talk about. Like when there's a thirteen point five million dollar budget gap between two tournaments and they're separated by genders, there's usually one reason, one reason only. And this is again, this is the, the NCAA being a business that they are. They're basically trying to say without saying it, look, men's basketball makes us more money, so we're going to invest more into them. And, you know, that, and again, that is a business mantra. That's a business attitude. That's just a business way of thinking of life. Um, You know, the thing that makes you more money is the thing that you invest in. And again, for most people, they think, what's wrong with that? No, 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 There should not be a budget gap, okay? You should not think, okay, the women make less than, so we're going to give them less. That's messed up. Like, that's not right. That's not the way it should be. It shouldn't be about, oh, the men make more, so we're going to give them bigger, better stuff. Like, no. No, that's not how it should be. Just because many people... You know, just because, yes, like, let's be honest, the men's basketball tournament gets more ratings, it gets more eyes, it gets more people watching than the women do. It's a sad reality. And again, it's not something I'm proud that I have to say that. But it also just is reality. It's the truth. Now, I think that's bad. I watch both tournaments. I'm not, you know, I'm not just sitting up here and lying and saying, oh, yeah, I watch both tournaments. I watch women's basketball. I have no problem with women's basketball. Um, I have a few jerseys, a couple of T-shirts. All that stuff, you know, I support women's basketball wholeheartedly. I watch the WNBA. There's nothing wrong with women playing basketball. It's not boring. People think, oh, well, maybe if they start dunking. No, there's still plenty of exciting, great basketball players that are women that they don't dunk. And they're just as exciting. Like, you don't have to be, you know, I'm saying Zion Williamson. You know, people think, oh, yeah, if we get a Zion Williamson, but a female version, then the the WNBA will skyrocket. Like, no, that those people are stupid. They're ignorant. They don't watch actual actual basketball. Like if you appreciate basketball, you will have no problem watching the WNBA. You'll have no problem watching the women's national championship game. We'll have no problem watching the women's tournament in general. Like that's the shit that I, I personally believe and, and it's just sad, again, that, you know, the NCAA is basically saying it without saying it that, look, the men's, they give us more money, so we're going to give them better stuff. Like, it's almost like a reward type thing. You know, it kind of is like that. Or at least I get those vibes. And again, it's disgusting. It really is. It should not be this way. Um it also sends the wrong message because you you know you're going to have those people that are going to look deep into it. Like, I'm not one of those people that look deep into it, but there's going to be someone that's going to be like, no, nah, there's a deeper meaning to this. And it's going to, it, you know, it's a bad message. It's a bad look. It looks like, oh, if you're a woman and you play basketball, you're not going to get the same treatment as a man that plays basketball. And again, unfortunately, that's somewhat of a reality in the society today, but it should not be that way. There should be no reason why there's a $13 million gap. 
Now, if the gap was a few thousand, okay. Like, if it was, like, a $2,000 in gap, okay. For the NCAA, that's nothing. Like, honestly, that's that's literally, at, like, that's, that's arguing over, you know, napkins and forks. Like, honestly. But these women are getting, like, little little tiny little takeout containers of food and the men are getting full spreads like full course five star spreads and these women are getting little takeout containers of like microwavable dinners like they look like tv dinners you dig what i'm saying stuff like that like that that's bad when the the women's you know gym and workout facility when that is you know it looks like someone's living room and then um, you know, the men's facility and workout room looks like an entire hotel. Like it looks like, um, someone just decided to make the biggest workout room in the history of workout rooms. Like it, it's just, it's bad. Like, and it shouldn't be this way. Like we are in 2021, like, it's time to get over this notion that women can't play basketball. It's time to get over this whole, you know what? The men make the NCAA more money, so they get more. Like, no, that's not. So So we should punish these women athletes, right, simply because there's not enough men out here that will watch them play because of their own stupidity and demise. Like, that's what we're doing. Like, we are penalizing these women these collegiate women because there's just not enough people that will watch them because of their own ignorance stupidity and demise that my friends is unfair that's not right that needs to go there's no reason I don't care I don't care there should not be a 13 million dollar budget gap but to, like that that when there's $13 million in a budget gap, that, that's basically you going out of your way to say, all right, we're going to make sure the men get nicer things. We're going to make sure the men get bigger things. We're going to make sure that the men get taken care of. And we're going to make sure that the women get the bare minimum and a few nice things. So that way they don't complain too much. Like, that's basically what that is. Like, there's no other way to look at that, honestly, if I'm being quite honest. I'm just, like I said, overall just disappointed in the, the NCAA as usual. Um, they seem to just do everything wrong. Everything that shouldn't be happening always seems to happen with the NCAA. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the NCAA to begin with, um, not in terms of the sports they put out and the collegiate athletes, just in terms of them as a corporation, as a business. Um, they There's a lot of, you know, very old messed up mentalities in the NCAA. And I think a part of the NCAA is extremely corrupt, but that's another conversation for another day. But like I said, just disappointed. We're in 2021 right now. Like there should not be a $13 million gap. And in terms of, you know, investing in the men's tournament versus the women's tournament, that's disgusting. That's bad. That needs to change. The NCAA needs to be called out for it. And quite honestly, um, they need to be held accountable. Simply like, simple um that's bad it's extremely bad and the the women do not deserve to be treated that way there's nothing wrong with watching women play basketball nothing and these these collegiate women should not have to pay for the fact that you know 
or be treated less than or get less than the men just because, like I said, other people don't want to watch them play. That's not their fault. Simple. And I'm going to continue to say it. The NCAA, you need to get better. You like you. You just need to get better. Um, and it's that simple. But we're going to move on today um, to something completely different in topic. The NBA, National Basketball Association. Um, According to Woj, you know, the ESPN reporter, the man that keeps the NBA trade deadline bussing. You know what I'm saying? He goes by the name of Adrian Wojnarowski. We call him Woj. You know what I'm saying? He always be dropping Woj bombs. Um, So he put out a tweet saying that the final tally on the NBA trade deadline, there were 16 trades, 23 teams, 46 roster players. That is the most in each category in the past 35 years. So let's talk about what happened. So Brad Watermaker at 3.30 p.m., he was traded to the Hornets from the Celtics. The, um, or excuse me, from the Warriors. Marquise Chris was traded to the Spurs from the Warriors as well. The Celtics, they traded Daniel Tice to the Bulls for Mo Wagner. The Pelicans, they traded J.J. Redick and Nikola Melli to the Mavericks in exchange for James Johnson and a second round pick. The Victor Oladipo party in Houston is now going to Miami and South Beach. Um, They traded Victor Oladipo to Miami for Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and they swapped draft picks. Now, this is one of the more more, um, surprising things. The Raptors decided not to trade Kyle Lowry for whatever reason. I don't really understand it, but it is what it is. Like, I wanted to see Kyle Lowry go somewhere else, but it looks like that's not going to happen. Um... There was no trade for Andre Drummond either, Um, even though the Cavaliers, they did decide they're going to work out a buyout situation for Drummond. Also, I believe Marcus, excuse me, LaMarcus Aldridge should be working out a buyout situation as well. Um, But anyway, moving on. So then we went down. We saw the fact that no Lonzo Ball trade. I was a little confused on that. They traded J.J. Redick to the the Mavericks, but. Lonzo Ball's not going anywhere. Um, Toronto, like I said, they're not budging on Kyle Lowry. I guess Kyle Lowry's going to stay. One of the biggest moves of the day, Rajon Rondo is now a clipper. Lou Will is a hawk. Um, And uh, I just, I don't really get that one. Like, I just, like, I see Rondo's leadership is going to help them a lot. Um... Rondo's like his passing ability, his defensive IQ, just his IQ is going to help that team. But you're getting rid of Lou Will, who's a valuable scorer off the bench. Your bench is already thin if you're the Clippers. And now it's even more thin because you have nothing in terms of like that guy who can just go out there and get a bucket now. And and Rondo can't shoot. So like, I don't know what his offensive role is as well as his defensive role is going to be, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm confused. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't really, that trade doesn't really make sense to me if I'm the Clippers, but they did it anyway. Um, also, we heard George Hill. He was traded in a three-team deal. The Sixers, they're acquiring George Hill. 
Um, the Thunder, they get Tony Bradley, Austin Rivers, and two future second-round picks. And the Knicks got Terrence Ferguson. Um, and then we moved down. The Kings, they traded Najima Balencia um, to the Heat in exchange for Mo Harkless and Chris Silva. Um, the Thunder, like I said, they traded George Hill. The Raptors, they traded Norman Powell to the Trailblazers in exchange for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Um, and then we got to some more bigger trades. Um, Washington, they traded Troy Brown, Mo Wagner to Chicago for Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. And then we got to pretty much the biggest trade of the night. Um, Aaron Gordon is now a Denver Nugget. Um, the Denver Nuggets will receive or will receive Aaron Gordon and the Magic will receive Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a first-round pick um, all for um, my guy, Aaron Gordon. And Orlando also added in Gary Trent as well to that trade. But that was really the biggest splash trades in the NBA. Um, the rest of them were for picks, minus, minuscule things, and other uh, things of that nature. But overall... Not too exciting. Yes, the Aaron Gordon on the Nuggets. That I do like that. Um, I do like the fact that the the Heat are adding uh, Victor Oladipo and Lamarcus Aldridge um, to their squad. Um, I just. I, the only things I really don't understand is how Lonzo Ball was not a part of a trade. I don't understand why the Clippers decided to trade Lou Will. Um, I don't know what they see Rondo doing for them, but whatever Rondo. They think Rondo can do. I hope he can do it because I just don't understand it um, at all. But moving on in the NBA, um, there are games scheduled for today. So I'm going to run through rather quickly all of the games um, at 7 p.m. Eastern. We have the Nets taking on the Pistons. I have the Nets winning that game. Also at 730, we have the Suns and Raptors. I have the Suns winning that game on ESPN. We have seven at 730 p.m. Eastern time. We have the Celtics taking on the Bucks. I have the Celtics losing that game to the Bucks. I think the Bucks are just going to be a little bit more dominant. The Heat and Hornets. I have the Heat winning that game. Uh, Blazers and Magic, I have the Blazers. The Rockets and Timberwolves, I'm taking the Timberwolves. Nuggets and Pelicans, I'm going to go with the Nuggets. Pacers, Mavs, I'm going to go Mavs. Grizzlies, Jazz, I'm going Jazz. Hawks, Warriors, I'm going Warriors. And Cavs, Lakers, I'm going to take the Lakers and the Lake Show in that one. Um, and those are all your games for today. Um, pretty packed schedule for today. Um, two on ESPN. They should be relatively good games. Now, quickly before the show ends and we run out of time, I wanted to quickly touch base um, with a little NFL action. Hasn't been too much NFL splash of late. Um, you know, we've seen the kind of the, the free agent pool die down. Leonard Fournette ended up re-signing with the Buccaneers. We've seen some pro days um, these past couple um, weeks. Been going by. Everything's been going strong. T.Y. Hilton decided to re-sign uh, with the Colts. The Eagles signed Joe Flacco. Um, I was a little surprised by the um, T.Y. Hilton signing or re-signing, I should say, with the Colts only because 
because he was offered more money and he was offered to go to the Ravens and he declined it. He said he felt something special here. Juju Smith-Schuster has also re-signed with the Steelers as well. Um, the Giants uh, assigned Odir, um, Odiri Jackson um, as well. The Rams, they signed Deshaun Jackson. Um, that's a that's a pretty good signing for them. The Broncos, they signed Kyle Fuller, the cornerback um, from the Bears. And um, some more news. This was interesting. This kind of happened this morning. This all kind of unfolded quickly. Um, so the Eagles decided to trade, and they now have the number 12 overall pick and the 123rd overall pick and then a future first round pick in 2022 and the Dolphins they received the 6th overall pick and the 156th overall pick as well um that was interesting but the most interesting of them all is the 49ers traded the number 3 pick or excuse me, traded for the number three pick. They gave up the number 12 pick, a third round, first round, and uh, for, uh, excuse me, a third round in 2022, a first round in 2022, and a first round pick in 2023. Now, the 49ers now have the number three overall pick in the NFL draft, but they keep saying to us that they're not going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm confused on who they plan on taking at number three, um, because they love saying that they're, they're quarterback. They have no quarterback problems. There's no situations. Jimmy G's their guy. But then they make this move today. So this makes me question whether or not things have changed in that organization or they plan on moving on from Jimmy G or what have you. But I will say it's going to be very interesting, very interesting to see who gets taken um, with that third spot, because, again, I don't get how you can say, oh, we're not moving on. But yet you are over here getting a third overall pick. And again, most people don't get the third overall pick, you know, unless they're going to get a defensive playmaker that's going to change the the whole trajectory of their defense or if they're going to get a franchise quarterback. Like so I just <laughs> I'm confused on whether uh you know, they might end up trading Jimmy G. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But I, I don't know what's the plan in, in San Francisco. But um, they did acquire the number three overall pick. So I thought that was interesting and kind of, you know, ironic. You know, the fact that they're not moving on from Jimmy G, but they did get the um, number three overall pick. And like I said, you know, when you when you draft in that high, your top five in picks, when you're dropping, you know, you're looking for franchise changing people. And it's usually quarterbacks first. Um, you know, when you think franchise changer, you really think quarterback. And then, you you know, you probably go by receiver or, you know, you go some sort of defensive player. But I don't know what's going to happen uh, in San Francisco, but I did think that was very interesting, to say the least. And also, I want to say quickly, uh, speaking of the draft and the NFL and all that, shout out to my guy, Zach Wilson from BYU, slinging that thing in his pro day, um, just throwing dimes, dots everywhere on the field, making sure that he's doing great. Um, all that. Um, also... Um, just shout out to all the the quarterbacks that are doing well on their pro days as well. Um, 
we love to see that. But Zach Wilson, he's been the standout for me. But yeah, that's all I got for y'all today. I want to thank you all for tuning in to yet another episode of the Speak My Peace podcast. I am your host, Reese Trotman. Again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next week, I hope y'all take care, stay blessed, stay humble, stay hungry, and most of all, stay happy, healthy, and safe, please, out there in this corona-filled environment we live in today. Take care again. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, I'm your host, Reese Trotman, signing off.